0: Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's Word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for Him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things one person one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan coming to you, talking about Garen's message on the 24th, Nehemiah chapter three. But before we even jump into that, Garen... Good news, the Broncos only lost by 50 yesterday. Yeah,
1: only lost by 50. They fell short of the record score by three points. <laughs> yeah. Which there's, could, there's some really good takeaways. They could have kicked. Yeah, they could have kicked. And, they, chose and they were just six yards short of the most yardage in a game, giving up. So they like they took second place in some significant things, which is really awesome to feel like you're in second place. I feel We like were the second place team in the game. I mean, there was a lot of
0: positives. The Broncos were just really being restorers in that. They were just- They were restoring Miami back to- They were seeking the prosperity of Miami. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Back to the Larry Zonka
1: days, like when I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, they're so- And I mean, this is why we gave up uh, 500 first round draft picks for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, was for this very result. Very, yeah. So uh, we've got 12 more years of this coming, dude, because we don't have draft picks for like 12 years now. Man, Uh, yeah. And the chiefs only won by like what, 40 or something. So only won by 40, but, uh, yeah, this is the same Broncos team that the chiefs
0: only beat by three points and six points last year. I think so. So Uh, that men's event coming up that Thursday night game chiefs Broncos, you're not feeling too good about that one.
1: Yeah. Not feeling too good. That's the week you you're over, you're overlooking the opponent and they come in and, uh, pull the upset. Oh, so
0: you are feeling good. Because well, the Chiefs are going to overlook them, I don't know. I feel
1: like they're easy to overlook right now. Don't they're you think? very easy to very overlook. easy to overlook. Like, like is this uh, a JUCO team that's just putting on NFL uniforms <laughs> or what? That's what it felt like. It felt like the beginning of the year when Michigan's playing Michigan Western Tech College. You know, yeah, that's the kind of scores those are. It's
0: like this is not the NFL. Yeah.
1: So, well,
0: hey, we've all been there. We've all taken our lumps. It's just the Broncos' turn. Yeah, just our turn. So, so uh, you know, Gary Lauks, he. He really went through it for a long time with the Chiefs, and now he's on top. Yeah, he
1: was wearing all his clothes hidden underneath things for many years. Now he
0: gets to like, and now little, he's little loud and proud. Yeah. yeah, he's loud and proud. A little so. too proud in church. <laughs> you're allowed three Bronco, you're or uh, three Chiefs pieces of clothing, but four is really the limit in church. So we got to have a talk with him. Yeah. Some church discipline. Yeah, maybe. definitely. All right, Nehemiah 3. Garen, I first just want to commend you because this is one, or, one of the drier chapters in all of the Bible. It's literally just lists of people and groups of people who were in charge of rebuilding different sections of the wall. And that's what it is essentially. And you brought so much life to it and it was really good. And the first time that I read this, cause I kind of read ahead, I was like, man, I don't know what Garen is going to do with chapter three, but you uh, challenged us with it and gave us a ton of context and useful info. So Um, first of all, just thank you for that. And then my kind of personal question is, when you first read Nehemiah chapter three, were you a little bit like, oh, what are we going to do here? And you had to dig in, or did you immediately know like the direction you wanted to go? No,
1: first time I read it, I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. Um, Is this a chapter we just say, hey, it's there, read it on your own. But then when I sat down and dug in, and I think people are getting a sense of what I do with a text. It's that whole we've done it two years in a row at the Institute on how to study the Bible. And what we teach in that is the first thing I do with a text. And so a lot of this came out of that, that if you'll just sit down and pay attention to the details, like Sherlock tells Holmes, right? If you just pay attention to the details, a lot of things will jump out that you don't know were there. But Sherlock tells Holmes? Sherlock. Yeah, tells, Sherlock uh, always talks about it. It's, uh, now I forget Oh, that. Watson? I mean, Watson, right. Sherlock tells Holmes. Yeah. yeah that's in his conversation <laughs> with himself. That's when he's... <laughs> On those things he's not supposed to. Yeah. When he tells Watson, he talks about, um, what does he say? I can't remember the saying right now, but basically it's observe or pay attention to details. Mm, If you pay attention to details, you can see a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like Watson's, people are like, how do you know that guy is married and has a
0: dog? And then he just hits details that he knows. So it's really about observation. Huh. So So that's what I say. Because what you did was once again, showed us just repetitive words. Repetitive in, words, in, 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 uh-huh. I, connectors. So the word repair shows up 38 times. Uh, the word next, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, shows up 26 times. So you are having us draw boxes and just count uh, re- repeated words. And a lot of times the message of the chapter, no matter how dry it is, can be found in just little uh-huh, observations little like that.
1: Yeah. Like you observe, oh, he mentioned sons and daughters. Oh, family's involved in. Oh, he's hitting some professions. That's interesting. Oh, he's talking about rulers. You know, you just start noticing like, oh, and this, Oh, he didn't say that about anything. I didn't even mention. There's a dude in there who it says he built. Uh, he built like a an overhang thing on his gate. Like he did a little extra detail. I didn't even hmm. mention that. But you're just like nobody else did that in the chapter. So it's yeah. like, yeah. So it's just kind of paying attention. I yeah.
0: think. So and not shifting into autopilot as soon as we don't. Yep. We're not fully interested in. Yes. The, it's right. like, like Oh, this is just. Okay. Let's just read uh, it and. Yeah, yeah you got to keep your ears up. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the takeaway from this whole thing was essentially that there are gaps to fill in the wall and everybody has a gap to fill. Yep. And it kind of takes a village here. Yes. That if everybody's not willing to stand in their gap, then this thing's not going to get rebuilt and Jerusalem's not going to be resurrected and we're going to be attacked again. So every person really matters a whole lot. Um, Like, can you imagine, what's the point of a wall if there's just one little section
1: that's totally collapsed Right. and uh, Sambal's like, okay, If we're going to invade right there, that's the spot, right? That's your spot
0: right there. Yeah. You, you, like we said, mentioned to us that the word next shows up 26 times, and it's so often talking about the next person. So it'll say, this guy or this family repaired this part of the wall, and next was this, and next Uh was this. And it just kind of reemphasizes the importance on the next person. Yes.
1: And of that we're all kind of, that we're, you said it a minute ago, we're all like a link in a chain. That chain, the whole chain is needed. Um and that every link is significant. If the link breaks or disappears,
0: it affects everything. And if one of those quote unquote next people doesn't show up or bows out, well then the whole wall is useless yeah. because now there's right. a big it, hole in it. Yes. It makes the wall useless. So very cool, man. There was a lot of good stuff you brought to us here. You talked about individuals and groups working together to rebuild the wall. There's one I really want to kind of like go over with you and it's, That it mentions there were some families that came and we were building it together. And to me, that's significant because we as parents want to think about, man, how do we raise our kids to follow Jesus well? How much of that is like teaching them? How much of that is like engaging with them? And I can't think of a better way to teach my kids while engaging them in the kingdom than serving alongside them in something. So do you think that, I mean, it mentions it here. Is that true for us now? Like, is there value in, if I'm going to serve in the coffee room, I bring my son or daughter, or yeah. if I'm going to pick up chairs, I'm, I, I, you know, yes. I'm involving everybody. Yes. It's not just dad or mom is going to go do this, stay here. It's, hey, come alongside me, watch what I do. And let me teach you with my actions that this is important. Yeah. It's, more, it's more important than ever. There's a number of books that have been written that we
1: live in a unique age where for all of human history, children essentially apprenticed under their parents. They farmed with their dad. They made candles with their mom. And for the first time in history, we have this period where dads go off to work or moms go off to work and kids are never in their work. And they only, they're only together as a family in the evening when it's leisure. And a lot of families don't bring their kids into their service in church. So kids are not growing up ever working with their parents, serving with their parents and learning those skills. And so how important is it now? Like I know some people from families, like when they do chairs, the kids are out there Some are helping, some are just more scooting. But I'm like, how valuable that is. We did that with our children. We really wanted them. It wasn't just Pat and I are doing international ministry on the side, and the kids are always staying home. We involved them in a lot of that so that they could, you know, learn service, the value of what we were doing, love the people
0: we're doing. We really felt like it was important that they serve alongside us. So, yeah. And at some point, when you're raising kids, talk is a little bit cheap. And it's kind of like kids will imitate what they see you do, not what you tell them to do, yeah, kind of. Right. And so yes. if, even if they're not really that helpful with the right. chairs yes. or with welcoming people on Sunday, it's like the value is them seeing you do it. Yeah. And they're life. seeing you
1: stay after church for another 30 minutes. Yeah. They're seeing it's not just about the meeting and sitting in chairs. And it's not just because your mom it's, talks
0: a lot. It's yeah. the last one out. It's because you're... Yeah. Yes. You're serving. So I mean because that was my job There's great value to all of that. So yeah. I think that's significant. There were so many other good things here. You talked about workers from every job, every region were pitching in. Man, this was so cool. The the perfume makers, right? They know <laughs> nothing. I mean, just close your eyes and imagine someone who makes perfume for a living. <laughs> great people, I'm sure. But yeah, they know nothing pe- yeah. about stonework yeah. or mixing mortar right. or hauling heavy materials, and yet they're showing up. And They're ready, they're ready to work. People from all over, right? People from the different cities, different regions were all coming together to pitch in. You see the rulers involved, so these people who aren't just like the quote unquote blue collar, yeah, right? Like these are, the, these are the rich guys, Yes, yeah, You got the rich these guys, these are the guys the who pay guys. people to do the hard work, yes. And they're showing up, yep. And it's just like you just start to get a sense of what a team effort this was. I mean, for heaven's sakes, the priest, Garen.
1: I mean, even that even, to me was Even the, the
0: lowly people in ministry. Yeah. What do they say? Like people who can do and people who can't teach. Well, even the people behind that who really can't, they're in ministry. And so <laughs> yeah. if we can... Basically, if, all, people if all you can in, <laughs>
1: do is flip a burger, you're either working <laughs> a McDonald's
0: or you're like, I'll get in church work
1: or right. something. Yeah. yeah
0: that's, and even they were contributing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining us 6,000 years ago or whatever. And we're out there and it's like, well... <laughs> There's no sermon to write, so I guess I'll go pick up this rock and do what somebody tells me. Like, we're useless. But. Yeah, totally useless. But
1: yeah, and we'd put the rock
0: down and read to go, that's not where it goes. Like, yeah. Can you not tell? Like Nehemiah's like, okay, yeah, I need more prayer time to deal yeah. with these
1: guys. Can we get the priests maybe uh, yeah. just over here carrying water to everybody? Right, priests, yeah, you
0: guys are on like, water duty, priests. You guys have no You guys skills. are making no impact Even the perfume on the wall. makers. No, you guys are doing well, but the priests, you guys keep your distance.
1: So Jordan, let me say something about this. That I left totally on the table yesterday. Okay. That I... that. You know, we talked the week before about how Nehemiah is wise and strategic. Let me give you a couple of details about how wise he is with this. Number one, that those rulers, if you look at the wall and where they were, they were spread out along the wall. And it was like he knew I needed some people with supervisory skills at different places on this wall. So he spread those guys out along the circuit. They weren't all, all the rulers weren't together in one section. Um, And the people who he brought in, who came in from outside of the city, he put on parts of the wall that were not next to homes. And the people that lived in the city, they were working next to their home. Now, how strategic is that? Because mm-hmm. if, if I'm working next to my house building a wall, can you imagine? I'm doing the very best job. I want the best wall possible by my home. And, and if somebody were to, to invade, I'm willing to defend while I'm mm-hmm. doing that. I'm willing to defend my turf. So how he placed people around that whole thing to me was so strategic.
0: Um, that guy is such a thinker. Nehemiah is such a is so much more strategic, I think, than we would ever yeah, imagine. It's and it's so, really cool to read into the details and yeah. realize that stuff. And
1: so that's just something. I didn't even mention that, but how he placed all of that, that that guy, like his mind was constantly
0: on yeah. at work thinking what's the best way to get this done. And you mentioned people ought to be ready if there's an attack. Like, so let's just paint a picture of how much this should have failed. Okay? Yeah. Um, first of all, they there's a law that says they're not even allowed to do this. Yeah. And the the king had some last minute, like, you know, change of heart that they're, they're allowed to do this. So there's that. And then they're coming and this wall is totally destroyed. The people are scattered. Um, the only workers they have, you said like 95% of them had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. So nobody knows what they're doing. They're all volunteers. They're nobody all volunteers. knows what they're doing. They all have day jobs. Yeah, go all have out. day jobs. All got to go out and earn a yeah. wage somewhere else. You've got else. a farm already somewhere else outside um, the city. A lot of them don't even live in the city. Yep. They got to travel to they, get there. Yep. Um, different people groups, different tribes. Yes. And yet somehow it's all working. And on top of all that, they're under the threat of attack. Yeah. Like at any point, somebody could roll in and kill them all. And they got to drop their hammer for a spear and suddenly go into fight or flight mode. Yeah. And it's like, are you, this really worked? Yeah. Wow. I know. So the hand of God was on this Because the hand of God was on it. I think God's man was there, answered his call. Yeah. And all of that. So we uh, we went through the four things uh, that it takes to, uh, to do this well. And it's a willingness to go all in. It's a willingness to go the extra mile. It's a willingness to do more than just for me and mine, which are all important things. And you gave scriptural references, but the one we kind of wanted to camp on was that fourth one. It's the willingness to serve outside your strength. And we go back to that statistic where you said, you know, 19 out of 20 people did not really know what they were doing. It wasn't their wheelhouse. Yeah, not they at all. were the priest or they were the perfume maker or they were the, merchant, the shepherd, or the Gold merchant. Yep. And yet they farmer. showed up and said, okay, like, show me what to do. I'm going to do my best. Yeah. And the reason that I thought we should camp on this one is because I think this one stops us in church a lot from volunteering. I think we have a lot of willing people at 12th who, you know, who want to help. Yeah. But I think that that fear of like, I'm not good at it or it's not my strong suit or I've never done it or it's, you know, it's the fear of the unknown with it yeah. and that keeps them from it. And we just got to figure out how to how to empower people to step into the unknown yeah, a little bit. Yeah, to step into that. To step and to be out willing. of their direct uh-huh. comfort zone. Yep. Because that is such a key part of why this works. Yeah. Maybe the most central I part, think it's probably one of the most because central Because think things. if only the 5% that knew what they were doing showed up. They, they, it would have taken 20 years to build this thing. Yeah, So I just think that's really key. Yeah.
1: And I think you're right. Like people are like, okay, early childhood. I don't know what to do with a little kid, but like with preschoolers, you know, somebody's down there kind of doing the lesson and they're, they're organizing, but we're just needing a few bodies down there. Just love a kid, sit next to them while they color. Cause I did that a few weeks ago. And so it's not, yeah, it's not like I have to be the one running it or mm-hmm. teaching it. And that may not be my strong suit. I love little children, but I can still be somebody down there. Yeah. And I'm just a presence and I'm helping out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're right. People are afraid or children's ministry. Like, I don't know, do a third or fourth grader. Well, Lois is teaching, but if she could just use somebody to be in there to help. And so I don't, yeah, I just think people are afraid to step in because of what you said but there's ways to step in and fill a gap
0: and you don't have to be an expert at it. Yeah. And you
1: frequently find you love it and the impact that
0: you're having. Yes. I think the common misconception is that you have to be an expert to jump in. And nobody, next to nobody was an expert in Jerusalem building this wall. And next to nobody is an expert on Sunday morning either. And we're all just, you know, there's training and we'll go through stuff, but a lot of times it begins with stepping into something that is not your forte. Yeah that you do not have a degree in that has nothing to do with your, your day job. So. Yeah.
1: Again, I, I don't know if we have any perfume makers in our church, but I can, on this whole point, when Nehemiah is choosing, what professions am I going to list? I'm sure he's like, I've got to put the perfume <laughs> yeah. maker in here because that'll resonate with people because that dude just goes out and collects flower petals and crushes them and makes a per. I don't know what, what it is. I don't even know what it is, you know? And like, if that guy can do it, anybody can do it. We've got Anna Black as a candle
0: maker. That's yeah, we've kinda, got a candle uh, maker. Not candle, soap. soap. Soap maker. Yeah, soap, we've soap got, got a maker. soap maker. So that's kind of the same thing. Similar, yeah. And she jumps in. Yeah. So, so. If, if Anna, the soap maker, can do it, by golly, I think you can do it. Um, let's see. We're looking at verse five, and there's this one group, Garen. There's one group who's not buying <laughs> in, right? There's always one, right? There's always one. <laughs> There's always one. So the nobles of Tekoa, talk about who they are and why maybe they wouldn't join in with this. Yeah,
1: what's really interesting is Tekoa is really close to Jerusalem. Some of those other towns he mentions are further away. Jericho is like 21 miles away, and men are coming from Jericho, and it's an uphill climb the whole way to Jerusalem. This Tekoa, I've been there, it's a small little village just south of Jerusalem. And the men are coming in, they're chipping in, because if you remember, they do two parts. They're doing a section they were assigned and then they went and did another one. But for their nobles are like, we're not going to throw our shoulder to the work. And, you know, I was really reflecting on that. Why is that? I think part of it is, and we addressed it ahead, but, that um, they're just like, I'm used to being an authority. I'm in charge. I'm not going to be a servant guy. People serve me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to do this. And as I was reflecting on it, it takes me back to Nehemiah in chapter one, that he was a man. Remember he kept calling himself a servant eight times in chapter one, servant, 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 mm-hmm. servant. He saw himself as somebody who was under authority, not yeah. in authority. Yeah. And these guys saw themselves as people in authority. Mm. They're like, nope, I'm in authority. I'm not under authority. I, don't ask me to serve. I'm not chipping in yeah. because I got to be the top dog. And that can even get in a body of Christ. And that's, that was my first sermon. Here, Jordan, was Joshua when he comes up to when the angel of the Lord shows up. And he says, Joshua says, are you with us or for us? And he says, no, neither. The question is, are you for me? Are, mm-hmm. you, are you putting yourself under my authority? Yeah. And the, that's what we need is we need people who are like, I'm willing to live under authority because people who are in authority, they don't get what they want. They power up. They refuse to serve or they do it with a bad attitude. They complain. They try to draw, get, create a bad attitude among people around them. Like, no, we're not. We don't want to do this. So
0: yeah.
1: I, yeah, that's what do you feel like was going on
0: with those guys? So you're saying that good leaders don't see themselves as the top dog. Right. No matter how high up you are in leadership, your view, if you're a good leader, your view of yourself to some extent will be, well, I am still under authority in some way. Yes, I am a person you know? under authority. Even like if somebody wants to be a deacon at our church, yep. they don't come in saying, I want to make decisions, I want to be top dog. It's, I'm going to submit to what the group says yes. and to what the, the church constitution says. Like yep. I see myself subservient to that so that I can lead people well. And this body, yeah, and right? Peter
1: talks about they're under shepherds, under the great shepherd. And so sure. I'm under the leadership of Jesus. And so we're praying and like, what are you wanting? We need your thoughts on this. We don't want to just yeah. come in with our own. So yeah, that we want everybody in le- serving period at twelve and in leadership to be people who see themselves as under authority, not in authority. Because that's what these guys were like. And people who are in authority are like,
0: I don't want it. I don't like it. So I'm not doing it. So maybe that's a big light bulb moment for somebody. I think another one is, that we at 12 see, our, see ourselves as people who not only need the community here, but realize that the community needs us. Yeah. Right? Right. That 12th doesn't just need me to fill a seat. 12th needs me to fill a gap, yeah. like you said, you know? So you may think you're doing the church body a favor by being a faithful attender and, that, and that's good. And I hope that you're growing in that, but you have a role to play here. Yes. And if you just come on Sunday and sit and are served by the worship, yeah. by the teaching, by the coffee room, by the person who put your chair out, by the person who welcomed you, right? Yeah. And you're just consuming all that. Man, there's there's a role for you to, yes. to be a part of that and to give back to somebody else. Yes. And that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is calling us yes. to, to use yep. your gifts. And so we just got to realize that church is more than attending. Yeah. You know? Well, That's a good bumper sticker or something right there. Yeah, church is more attending.
1: But I love, I mean, you're the one that just a minute ago coined the one. It's not about filling a seat. It's about filling a gap.
0: Yeah, do I get royalties on that?
1: Uh, How that work? Well, pastor gets royalty, all royalties, because I'm at the top. I'm the top Oh, because I'm under authority, Yeah, because you're under authority, but I'm not. So all money flows to me from all this The rest of us are under authority.
0: but except me. Well, Pat maybe is your authority. Well, that's true. Then I've got Pat and- (laughs) You got Pat to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's so key, man, that we come to church with the right uh, perspective. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being blessed by the worship and by being blessed by others. Nothing wrong with that. Because I need the body. Because you need the body. Yeah. And I need the body. But the body
1: needs but me. But the body needs me too. Yep. And that was kind of the spider web thing. Yeah, is that if if all I'm if I'm yeah if I'm dropping out and not or if I'm not even filling a role that I can, um, the body cannot function. That's First Corinthians twelve, right? The body cannot function without a part. Yeah. If our body has two eyes in attendance and the two eyes refuse to be eyes, can you imagine what our body's missing? Right. Or we lose our vision. Yeah. Or if there's three people serving and they're they're the hands. I'm just kind of using that example. And if they don't serve. Then we're we're a
0: body without hands. So I mean? have an inkling that's what ha, that's what's happening on the Broncos coaching staff. <laughs> that nobody wants to be the uh, offensive line guy. So Russell's just running around back there. Every, everybody wants to be. Yeah, the, everybody
1: t- wants to be the quarterback. Yeah, and nobody, everybody yeah. wants to be and the, so the head guy.
0: Yeah, he's getting. Are you going to put a call into Sean Payton? I and, probably should. I should, yeah. Tell, gonna, him, tell him his staff needs to quit being I'm going to call KOA and, in Denver today and tell him
1: what's going on. Yeah, we figured out what's going on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so bottom line, we got to eliminate this consumer mentality um, because we are called to be restorers outside these walls, but we're also called to serve the body inside these walls. Yep. So let me, let me push back on this for a second, Garen, because I think it's easy for somebody to sit in the seats. And this is, this is a fair question and say, okay, Garen, let me get this straight. I'm to be a restorer outside these walls. I'm to be actively thinking about someone that I need to be having a conversation with about hearing their story and just live really intentionally outside of church. Okay, but then I come to church and I'm supposed to buy in and serve here too. Like this takes time. This takes energy. I'm a busy person. My kids have stuff. Like I've got my own personal stuff. Like you're you're asking a lot of me here. So is it, is it fair to say that you're asking too much of people? Because yeah. I think some people could maybe hear this and think, yeah. that I'm, I'm yeah. going to go to a church yeah. where they're not asking this of yeah. me.
1: And all he does, is he passes a church, what sleeps in every day, Saturday, <laughs> listens to, uh, gets a sermon off the internet. Right, yeah. Right. And we're just kind of hanging out, watching football all day or whatever, you know, watching
0: replays. Well, you watch the first quarter of the yeah. Broncos game, but after that, <laughs> you turn it off. Um, the,
1: the main thing I would say is because, again, I live under authority, and that's why I said yesterday, these aren't my words. It's the Lord... It is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who says to me, um, go and make disciples of all nations. That's his command. So I'm to live as a restorer where I'm at. And I'm supposed to know my crowd cloud and be aware and praying, like, where do you have, where can I be at work as a restorer? And he's the one in First Kings 12 who calls me, and he says, you're part of a body, and I put you there with intentionality, and you're to serve mm-hmm. for the common good. So this is his call, it's not mine. And I totally, you know, I totally get that, Jordan. I... Because I am a normal guy, pretty normal. Sometimes people think if you're up there, you're not. Mm -hmm. I've got a family. I know what it's like to be busy. But I also know Pat and I had a lot of conversations about, you know, we'd start feeling like maybe our lives getting too complex here that it's affecting our ability to reach people or to be a blessing to the church. And are we just doing too much out here? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think we need to reverse that question and instead of like, oh, the church is asking too much, is maybe... I'm doing too much of things that don't maybe matter. That I mean, things matter. You want your kids to have activities, but we constantly had to be asking, how can we simplify our lives so we have more margin in our life
0: to serve the lost so and have, to serve the church? So you have more resources for the things that really matter. Yeah. That for, matter so, the most. yeah a like, lot of things matter. A lot of things matter. But what matters the most? Yeah, so it's like, you know,
1: maybe our kids, instead of doing three things, we say, look, let's do, you know, the thing you most love and let's do that because we, we need to have space in our life for other things, for mm-hmm. us, just yeah. as a family, but we also need space for the body and for living on mission. So yeah, sometimes like my life's so busy over here, you're, you're just adding to it and I totally get that. But maybe we need to ask the question the other way and like, am I just giving too much? Am I letting other things dominate my time so much? Yeah. And I, I know we're all working hard, so I'm not
0: trying to say that, but I don't know.
1: What are you? How would you answer that
0: question? Yeah, I think I would answer it similarly to the way you did that I'm not up here making up stuff as I go. Like I'm reading God's word and I'm putting myself under authority to it and I'm trying to just obey it the best I can. And so um, when he, like in Jeremiah, calls me to seek the peace and prosperity yes, in my city, uh-huh. that I'm doing that the best I can. When yep. in 1 Corinthians 12, he says that I'm a member of the body and it's my duty to play my role. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing that. And so yeah. if the Bible said stand on your head twice a day to honor God, like it's the Bible, it's God. Like I'm gonna do what he says to do. So, you know, you're not up here making things up. I'm not, yeah. I'm not over here saying, yeah, let's, let's, let's put this onto people. Yeah. It's like, we're just That's, looking at what God yeah. says. We're not on staff meetings every
1: Monday going like, hey, how can we make <laughs> things harder on people? Let's, <laughs> let's tighten the screws a little more. Let's, uh, let's add another thing. We just would love to add another thing. Like let's pile everybody's plate. That's not what we're doing in staff
0: meetings. Well, like, just, just the first part. That's just the first <laughs> few minutes, yeah.
1: Yeah, we just want to call people to the word and to, to follow their Lord. And right. everybody has to figure that out differently. So I've got to figure it out. And I'm in seasons where I'm really busy at work. Yeah. And so maybe I'm not doing as much on those, but it doesn't mean I totally bail on it because I'm commanded to do it. So I, I, you know, maybe I'm doing something a little less involved. But the truth is I need to be in the game outside the walls and inside. Yeah. And my seasons dictate
0: that. Sure. I think that I appreciate this about 12th, that it's a place of grace. And you have brought the truth to us, Garen, and you've told us what God has asked of us. But by no means are you going to put down some hard and fast rule of like, if you're going to be here, you got to do this. And it's like. You've shown us the truth. It is up to us to work it out with the Holy Spirit. We pray that he will show us what he asks of us and we trust him with that. But, yeah. you know, it's your job to proclaim truth. You've done that well. So we hope that people will take the step and, and even in our hearts be obedient to that too. Because no matter what role we play, we're all under authority of scripture, Yeah, right? You kind of mentioned the crowd cloud, which you could not for the life of you say yesterday. I know, that is hard to say. Crowd cloud. Crowd cloud. Crowd cloud. Crowd yeah. cloud. Yeah. And you can flip them really easy. Cloud crowd, crowd cloud. Yeah, and you did. But you got through it. <laughs> but, okay, let me make sure I'm understanding this, that the crowd cloud is basically our sphere of influence. Yeah. And you were saying, if each one of us at 12th has a sphere of influence of like 20 people. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of the average. Which low is end. kind of the average. Uh-huh. Then mathematically, the, the reach of everyone at our church should be about 8,000 people. Now there's lots of overlap. There, yeah, there's overlap. Obviously. Right. But even still, it, the point of it was to get us to realize how big our impact yeah. can be if we take our influence with our crowd cloud seriously Yes, and live intentionally with those people. Yeah. You know, if I was yep. even to list out the 20 people that I feel like I have the most influence on in my life and I just pray for them yeah. and I just seek intentional conversations and I want to hear their story, like if we all did that at 12th, yeah. our city would look really different. Uh-huh. So, yeah. You did a good job of just trying to get us to to understand that little piece there. You kind of mentioned the spider web illustration. I thought it went well. I thought it was good. The idea basically was, you know, when somebody drops out, that it hurts everybody. Yeah,
1: it's less beautiful, and it hurts everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. that and that came out second service when I saw it. when one of the guys dropped. I could tell the tension on a couple of people on the other side, the tension of their line. And I said, "You felt the tension weaken on your part of the web, didn't you?" And they said they did. So, yeah, I'm not only leaving a hole in the web, but I'm actually affecting other people in the web, other people in their ability to do something. Um, I mean, how many times have we had volunteers like, I'm so super stressed because I'm filling two holes. So it's not just they're not filling a gap, but it affects other people even. I mean, yeah, it's... Yep. So I hope that I hope that picture, that illustration conveyed what it, what it was intended. So. Yeah, I think so.
0: So the message of Nehemiah 3, um, we've all got a gap. We've got to stand in our gap. Yep. Nobody can stand in it for you. And, takes everybody, um, all hands on deck. Yeah. Community needs
1: me. I need the community. It's, yeah. so it takes a village. Yeah. For them and for us. Don't just fill a seat,
0: fill a gap. That's right. There you go. Uh ching I just heard some revenue yeah. coming in for me. <laughs> well, that's why I said, oh, I thought it was me. I was saying it so I could get the paycheck, but man. Okay, anything else that was kind of on the cutting room floor that you wanted to no, that's, mention? No, that's we, I think we got that's the big point. Okay. We got to flesh it out some more. So. Very good. So, Nehemiah 4, if we're reading it this week, uh, it's going to be a little easier than three. Is that your promise uh, to us? It's easier
1: to read. It's easier for somebody to see, okay, I can see some points in this, but the opposition's going to ramp
0: up. Okay. So, we're going to be looking at that. What do you do when the opposition ramps huh. up? So. That's going to be really hard for us to relate to because there's really no opposition. Yeah, we don't hear.
1: It's yep. like I'm thinking about. It. I'm thinking of the Nigerians who are here who actually know people who, some of them who've lost their lives for their faith. Yeah, in northern Nigeria. So other places, yeah. it's, much it's not more the same. Than, so
0: it's less here, but it, it is a reality to some degree. So okay, yeah, okay. Excited to talk about that, guys. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being a body that's willing to stand in the gap that isn't just gonna. Fill a seat, but fill a gap. So remember, you need the community at 12th, but we also need you. So let's live that way this week. Thanks, guys.